How's everybody? Welcome back to season two of Words Words Speak, proudly brought to you by Nikon South Africa and Poison City Brewing. Today on the podcast, we've got Ian Thotel. He's a professional surf photographer. Um, if you've ever read Zigzag magazine um, or seen any photos of Mikey February, Geordie Smith and the like, you've probably seen some of his work. Um, really cool to chat to him as an aspiring photographer myself. Um, get some insight into where he started sending film into magazines to get a photo published um, to where he is now in the digital age of photography. Um, enjoy the episode, guys. Sometimes uh, the drive through from Half Bay to the side can make you reflect on a lot of your life because yeah. it can take you up to an hour. <laughs> a lot of people think Half Bay is on the other side. It's, it's technically on the other side, yeah. but it's not far. But yeah, it's got, it's got its shortcuts. Yeah. Um, I actually had a guy on yesterday called Ross Walker. Yes. And he, he when he was like 16, started getting into uh, water photography. Mm. And when I told him I was bringing you on, it looked like... Like he had just seen a go, like he couldn't, like he was so surprised. Dude, like I used to, like, like I used to be, I, I'd like sit with my zigzags, open up and go through everything. I'd compare my photos to Ian's and I wouldn't understand how he got that shot. I know. I think I've actually had a few Instagram messages from him and really? emails and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's appropriate. Yes. Okay, Asking cool. advice and stuff. Yeah, that's so freaking awesome. So how did you even get to that scene in the first place? Did you mm. start off with one of those, like, Lamp photographer, one of the first guys with a GoPro. No. Okay, so it's full disclaimer, I've never actually touched a GoPro. I've never okay. never bought one. I've I've used one once or twice, but um Oh, it's hard to it's a hard thing. Like GoPros are a touchy subject for um Well let's get like, touchy. For <laughs> full yeah. um hardcore photographers and stuff like that. So basically the first camera I picked up was probably my parents' camera on holidays. I was yeah. always the guy that's like, oh, grab a little, you know, 35 wind-up film camera and go out and try to get photos of just random holiday moments and try to set on the tripod up and get it. And then basically my good friend, I was actually in school with Alan Fakhesi, which is another world-class photographer yeah. from Komiki here in South Africa, Cape Town. And um, he used to bodyboard called Barry Reef and I used to bodyboard called Barry Reef and he used to come out with this little old Minolta, I think, yellow or Canon A1 camera. It was like a full-on built-in housing in the camera. And okay. I saw him shooting the one day at Cork Bay and he was like, oh, can I grab your bodyboard and you take a photo? So I was like, yeah, for sure. Took a photo. Um, I mean, I really love photography, but then I saw how he developed into a photographer and I went to school with him and since I'd be is grade oh, I don't know what that is grade naught or grade one yeah you're way your age I'm yeah <laughs> and basically yeah so after high school I really well my dad's a surfer and I bodyboarded Musenberg and he used to surf Musenberg and um I always he had a huge pile of old 60s 70s 80s surfer magazines surfing magazines zigzag when it started up um in his cupboard and I always used to rip them out and just look at the angles and my biggest thing was not necessarily the rider and how the rider was surfing the wave, but like who was taking this photo and how was he in this position to get this photo? 
So I was seeing, I was trying to work out things that the viewer wasn't actually seeing. Yes. And that was a, like a selling point for me. And I was like, wow. And I already was like in the water a lot. And you know, you always paddle over that wave going like, looking back and going, wow, what a moment that was. Yeah. Like, but you know, it's because you, your mind is seeing it in a video format. There's little snapshots that you're seeing that you wish you could capture. And uh, that was one of the things for me. So yeah, straight after high school, I wanted to get into it. And um, housings, water housings are super, super expensive to buy. And my dad was kind of like, no, man, we'll just build one. And I was like, okay, let's try to build one. <laughs> and yeah, the first one came out fiberglass. We made a positive and negative mold. And so, so what does that mean? So, so basically, you, well, the way we did it at first was I took my camera and I, I vacuum packed it in a bag. Okay. Then I put clay all around it. I let that set. Yeah. Oh, I'm giving away kind of secrets here. No. <laughs> and then That's I put, clever. I yeah. pulled the camera out. So I had a reverse mold. Yeah. I poured that with plaster Paris. Yeah. Then I broke after that dried, I broke off all the clay, had a positive of my camera. So now I had a mold of which to fiberglass. So then I fiberglass that so my camera could fit in that mold. Which is easy, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and that was back in 2001. And so straight out, of, straight out of school, you had no idea. It's like what what you want to get into. No, so you're going to give that photography no. thing a go. 100. I a was. Hobby. You didn't see a career coming out of um, that. I knew I loved it enough to just go for it forever. And oh, yeah, I mean, surfing was. I think it's was fully ingrained in me, like full on. It was like it wasn't like a hobby. It was a lifestyle. Okay. And it sounds very cliche saying that, but because my sister bodyboarded with me and my dad surfed, all I knew was surfing and surfing holidays. Everywhere we went was Jeffreys Bay or Victoria Bay or something like that where there was a wave because my dad wanted to surf. Yeah. So. And you weren't you weren't one of the other kids saying I want to be a pro bodyboarder and get on the. Surf. Well, I, I did do I bodyboarded for Western Province. I went overseas for bodyboarding. Um, yeah, and then basically while I did that, it fell away photography fell away yeah. and then i actually got back into it as oh, i don't know i think it just i just was like oh wait i remember shooting a lot cool so i think the last question i asked you is uh you're bodyboarding at the time with all yeah. your mates yeah that's right all the guys want to be pro bodyboarders yeah. on the circuit yeah but that wasn't really on your radar yeah how you finished school yeah I, I, I mean bodyboarding is like super sick when you're super flexible and nice and then as you get older, like those moves start yeah. taking its toll on your neck. And I actually got a really bad neck uh, problem once at Cork Bay Reef. And a once-off kept, injury. Yeah, a once-off injury. And now it still plagues me back back and forth. Like if I full on lock up and I can't move for like two days, it's just like the muscle spasms. And no. I took that as a thing. Like, ah, maybe I shouldn't bodyboard so much. So, What, did you hit the reef? Did the uh, I actually got lipped on the back of the head and my head got locked down. Like ah. just quick and i think i don't know obviously just popped a vertebral saying who knows what happened but um it was a flash of white light and you know the whole cliche and i couldn't move for a bit and then you know it felt like it's really stiff muscle afterwards and then yeah. the next day i was just like oh i can't move in bed and then i could walk around but I, it just wasn't pleasant yeah. <laughs> i was like mm, i think i'm gonna take a break now yeah and then yeah so now I just swim around. <laughs> so, so yeah, so you make your whole makeshift camera housing. Yeah. And the first one was super chunky and it was like probably like 15 layers of fiberglass, you know, overprotective, yes. 
over like scared of what's going to happen to this thing and it didn't leak <clears throat> so strangely i mean for the first time you think this thing's going to be like a sieve and and it, it really didn't leak and since that day 2001 i have not bought a waterproof housing for any of my cameras you're kidding i make my own housings do you have one here i have one in the car okay <laughs> um yeah i've had i mean you get a few little like water droplets but that's normally from a pressure problem where you dive too deep when okay. i do free diving yes. i dive too deep maybe because what a lot of people don't realize is a surf housing is not a dive house they are generic they are completely different yeah. items so i get a lot of people going can i dive with your housing and i'm like yeah it's up to five meters but you don't want to go much deeper so a lot of people don't understand that, you know, surface pressure is a lot different to deep, deep sure. water pressure. So, so yeah. you at that level now where you can custom make housing yes, for the guys? Uh, I do make housings for people. Um, yeah, it's really fun to get people in the water, uh, just like I wanted to do. And they have the same vibe. They maybe cannot afford a overseas housing. I mean, the overseas housings go for, I would say, 30000 upwards. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, with local stuff, you can make a housing not as perfect as those, but amply good enough to get in the water. Yeah. So that's all that you need. And what was your, uh, do you remember you getting your first paycheck? <laughs> I do. It was actually back in the day when I used to shoot slide film, which is, <laughs> a lot of people won't know what slide film is, uh, the younger generation. So basically... If you know what a film strip is, like a film canister, so this was a color version of those. So basically, you would get, um, you would take thirty-six photos. You would take it to a special developer, which used to be in what's the street, Loop Street, or Roland Street, one or two. And that it's long gone now. It was a little old developing lab, and yeah. and you would. <laughs> it's quite crazy. I mean, the whole the whole way of shooting film, because you would put it in. You would take it to them and like two days later you would go back or a day later, it depends how busy they are, and you would you would see them hanging up drying on the on the on the racks and you would get yours and you would go turn on the light the light box and you'd get a loop and you would zoom in like looking at it with close yeah. like with an eye. And yeah, right, it'd, it'd and right there and then right, first time seeing it and you know straight away if exposure's out, your focus is out. And you might have missioned like for four hours shooting that day in the harshest conditions, once off conditions. There's no way of knowing if you got the shot or not until yeah. you are standing there in a dark room, <laughs> looking at the room. <laughs> and it's one of the most terrifying, sweat inducing moments. And I used to go a lot with Alan Vocation. We used to take our films in together and we sometimes shot the same surfs. And you know, you're like peering at yours and you're like, Got a beady eye on his. Yeah. You can see in his body language if he's nailing the shot, where you just hear like, yeah. yeah. And you're like, no. <laughs> or like vice versa. So, yes. I mean, it's digital age has changed it completely, but oh, there's something so pure of getting a, a, a slide film back and seeing it for the first time with the smell of the chemicals and all that. It's, it's, it's a magical, magical thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad film is actually trying to come back now and it's making an appearance like Fuji and all those people are actually redeveloping their films yes. and making them again. So. That, and so how does the first paycheck come out of this thing? Oh, okay. Oh, that, we went off topic a little bit. Yeah, um, interesting. So basically, when you... It's so so different now. So when nowadays, you just email off a little low-res shot to a magazine or a publisher or editor or something like that and 
you know, you get a reply in like five minutes or something like that. And now, so back in the days, you used to take your slides, cut them into single images, put them in a little uh, framing bracket, plastic bracket. Yeah. So you probably, I mean, if you Google slide, 35 millimeter slide forms, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And you would take that slide and you would literally post it by courier to a magazine. And so one of the first ones I did, I think it was actually before Zigzag Magazine, as I sent it to a bodyboarding magazine called Option Magazine back in the day when bodyboarding was really high up there and there was a lot of magazines around. <clears throat> and I mean, you would, this is a one-off shot. You haven't made a digital copy. This is the image. <laughs> it is a one-off. And you're putting in a mail and you're sending it to California, hoping they're number one, like it. Number two, hoping you're actually going to get it back. Yeah. Um, if it's a really golden shot. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah there. there it is. That top magazine. Let's see. Sure. Yeah. Somewhere oh, there. Sorry. Yeah. That's, <laughs> Ian Campbell. I just go back to that third image. That was the issue. That was the issue my stuff was published in actually. Your first one. My first, I think, I think it was my first. Yeah. That, I don't know what date's on there. Yeah, anyway, so that was, yeah, Option Magazine. Um, it was actually a really core cool magazine started by um, some really good bodyboarders back in the day in the world industry of bodyboarding. And yeah. um, bodyboarding at that time was trying to be taken over by surfing. Like surfers actually wanted a lot of the bodyboarding clout because they were, they were more underground, kind of like skateboarding. Yes. They were more underground, getting like the core young group of bodyboarders and and I think the surfing world actually wanted that that mm. clientele. So they actually wanted to take control. And a lot of the bodyboarders sort of like, no, I'm going to actually do my own magazine. And they, a lot of bodyboarders started their own. And one of them today is still going uh, by Ben Player called Movement Magazine. And yeah, it's still a great magazine. One of the, I think maybe one of the last ones in the world. So, sure. And yes, coming back to my paycheck. So you would send off a, a slide and... I actually got a written return back, an actual handwritten return from the editor with Come my slide on. saying, here's a check. It was, I think, for $100 back then. No and way. It had to go cash a check. And he was just like, thanks for the images, keep sending. And it's, it's quite crazy because you had to buy the film, which was, I think, 85 Rand, publish it, which was, I think, about 80 or 100. It was more to publish and to buy. Courier, which I don't know how much it cost back then, wait until the magazine came to print. There was no Instagram or Facebook back then. and So your, your cost of actually making it was much harder than digital. Now you can just delete and shoot for free. So, yeah. Yeah. And then how did you make that transition towards ZigZag? So obviously ZigZag was the mainstay of... We actually at that time had a bodyboarding magazine called SA Bodyboarding run by ZigZag. Sure. Okay. Back when Saltwater Girl and all those were around. Saltwater Girl. Saltwater Girl. Yeah, you would remember that yeah. one. Yeah, Mark had them under his bed. Oh, yeah. All, all the pictures <laughs> posted on the wall. Uh, and uh, so basically, the, yeah, then Zigzag sold off that um, magazine. It died. And at the same time, I was uh, giving images to Zigzag. And I think one of the first ones I shot was actually. Uh, kind of a moody winter's day at Lindadno. I swam out, got this photo of this guy just bottom turning, just a really random shot. And it won Shot Brew. 
which is the yeah back in the used to it's still around it's a great yeah, thing it, it's a great thing it's the other one there we go wow. kidding <laughs> what'd you get probably a hand short somewhere there you no go ways. Good to see yep. yeah yeah hoodie's been a great supporter of that type of thing so Absolutely. and they've been in a long time and basically yeah it's readers photos and they get voted by the photo editor and the winner comes out and they get a hamper and it just it just kickstarts someone's love for photography which is yes. the the thing we all crave and look for is recognition for what we do yeah which is a great thing and so basically what happened is just before that happened, I sent a slide in of, a, of an empty way of breaking at Nuruk. And the editor was like, wow, 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 this thing is absolutely crazy. We want to run it. But because we've never had anything from you before, we have to introduce you into the magazine nicely. And that by way of that Ladadna image and me instantly just winning Shot Brew, somehow gave me an in to get the next shot published if, if it makes any sense that yes. no one no other photographers in the country were like oh why did Ian this, this Ian guy suddenly get published out of nowhere we don't even know who he is because photography is in the surf world it's a very tight knit like community and there's a little bit of like batting heads with okay. photographers um, like you, you don't go poach someone's spot or poach someone's rider under their nose that type of thing yes. it's just courtesy and so the way the magazine did that was, okay, let's introduce you as a winner of Shot Brew. Next issue, we published you. And it was a, a, a double-page spread, pull out the center on your wall thing. So it was, my first real image was actually a double-page spread. I hope you still have some of those magazines. Yeah, it's, it's, it, was a, it was an amazing day. And I still haven't taken a photo of Nurduk that same way. I, I can't. It was super perfect and clean and it doesn't break like that often, so... Sucks. <laughs> it was very rare. And then, so, like, at what age did you decide? Was it after that first paycheck that you're like, actually, okay, this is what I want to do? Uh, I mean, for yeah, a living. I mean, straight away you go, wow, there's actually like money there. Yeah. And you're like, hang on, like, that wasn't too hard to get that photo. Maybe I should try more. Yeah. And it's kind of this natural progression where you, it's the same as everything. You're never happy with what you get. So you're always striving harder. So you're always. And there's always another day and there's always another swell coming and there's always another surf coming. And so you're always moving to the next day. You're always looking ahead. Yes. And that's kind of a detriment to, I'd say, my brain and probably other surf photographers' day, brains. So you're always looking ahead to the next shoot or the next shot. Yeah. So it's hard to sometimes live in the moment. And yeah, I mean, I, st I still, and I've started doing it recently where I have a really good shoot. And everyone gets out of the water and they're like, oh, show us the photos. And I go, no, it's still in my housing. I won't open the camera. I won't open the housing until I open it maybe two days later or I look at the photos a day or two later. And that's purely because while you're shooting, your, your, your energy levels are so excited and you're so amped on the moment that what you get might not be what you think you get. So, yeah. Or you might look at it in a different light. And if you look at a photo a day later, you'll appreciate it more. Because you can't come down off that high of shooting and being in the moment and you actually come off it and you're like, okay, let's take a, a practical look at these photos. And some photos that you thought were average while you're swimming because of the other moments turn out to be some of the best photos. So yeah. so did you realize that the hard way, like did you kind of go through a phase where you'd almost get in a bit of a slump because you're never really... Yeah. Did you, did you lose the joy for uh, photography? Yeah, I never lost the joy. It's just in Cape Town, it's very hard to 
get really good sessions. Um, the light's amazing, but the water's cold and mm. stuff like that. So you do get moments where you go like two, three weeks and without a good shoot and you're like, oh, geez, you know, this is freelance. And I mean, I was working on the side. I was working in a surf shop, sport and surf in um, Cape Town City Center. And, you know, that was, I was in the industry. So I was, I was fueling it, but I was missing a lot of good days and, yeah. You know, like shoot in the evening after work. But I was in the industry and I was keeping the love alive, you know, watching DVDs during the day. And But, you know, it's like it was fueling something that I really wanted to do. And when I left Sport and Surf, I was I worked in a restaurant as a manager for a while. And then that only, you know, that paid for a bit of my like cameras and stuff. But then I was just like, okay, let's do it properly. And yes. delved into it and yeah. Yeah. And what's how how do you think magazines are doing in this day and age? Because I mean, you see even Zigzag. I think it's even over a, over a year or two mm. ago where they started doing the online version. Correct. What's your take on print media now? I think print media is a very very special publication right now. In in general, if you look at the shelves where you go anywhere, uh, let's go exclusive books. Um, it's still full of magazines. So the word dying, I wouldn't say. I think it's going through a transformation. Okay. I, think, I think it has its place. I think you've got to be, publishers have to be very careful of how they publish and when they publish. I think um, things like coffee table books are a great thing. So instead of um, pumping out issues just for the sake of pumping out issues, rather go less issues, hardcover, very special niche kind of, Thing. So people want to own it and they want to hold it. Um, yeah. Something that will maybe not stand the test of time, but it'll look good on a table with an amazing image. Um, that type of thing. I think I think people always want to hold a magazine. I think you get tired of doing this with your thumb, flicking yes. through um, things. And it's oversaturation. Um, social media is just, as much as I love it and as much as it's very important, it's... It allows everyone, it becomes a very level playing field. Yeah. And another thing Alan always says to me, is like the, the, the cream always rise. So if you're good enough, you will rise to the top and people will notice. Yes. And um, I mean, a lot of people are photographers these days. I mean, cell phones take incredible images. So, I mean, GoPros take amazing video and photos. Um, but there's still something for being professional in your work relationships, um, networking correctly, all those type of things where some people just throw images on Instagram and yeah. you know, they get like 10,000 likes. It's an amazing image, but uh, I don't know, maybe their work ethic's different or something like that. But yes. uh, as the surf world is so closed and so small, uh, breaking into it's very difficult. And yeah, as I say, networking is super important. Yeah. Just being just being a really friendly person and just being likable, I would say. Yeah, but yeah. now would you say, you said that you feel that magazines and print media is going through a transformation. Mm. So in the next five to 10 years, yeah. where do you see that being? Do you see them working alongside one another, like their online issues alongside their, their print issues? I would say online should stand away from print. Um, the thing with social media is now everything is available instantly. So you go have a shoot, people expect an image that afternoon of that wave, best way of the day. Now that kills a, a, a potential story for a magazine. 
in some way. You can still run a magazine issue story, but because people have seen it on Instagram or it's, or it's run somewhere on Instagram, the need for picking up a print issue is not really there because now, oh, yeah, they're advertising that swell. I saw it from five different photographers. They were all standing on, let's say, New Pier in Durban. They yeah. shot all the different angles. Do I really need to see that issue? Do I really need to see that story? I've seen it. Yes. So I think, I think diverting important issues into magazine or online is very important. And I think, I think they will coexist. I just think they have their own places in, in space. So, so. Do, would you see, um, let's take Zigzag for example, mm. do, would you see them only releasing issues every couple months with an online issue coming out every month? I th- uh, like maybe do a Zigzag hard copy or thicker copy. Yeah. Like I don't know if you remember uh, Bomb. Yes. Like they did this like every season. Yes. And it was a lot thicker. Yes. The, the content was amazing. Mm. I remember that one of Twiggy. Yes. On, yeah. Where was that? Oh, I, don't, I know the shot you're talking about, but it's, uh, I, let's say I'll, I'll say it's Bomb Surf, Bomb Surf Magazine. Yeah, Bomb Magazine. I, I would say, let's just see. Twiggy, Twiggy Bakery. Um, Going to the images? So. No. Break up, uh, break up Bomb and Surf. He was, he, was, he was going left on it. Yeah, just Twiggy, not Twiggy Baker. And okay, I've got an idea. Try just uh, Bomb Surf Bomb Magazine. Surf Magazine, yeah. Scroll down. I kind of know what you're talking about. But... It's weird, it's not showing. Yeah. Anyway, but that was probably one probably of the undisclosed I've ever seen. Probably somewhere mental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's quite a mad cat. Sorry, yeah, so going back to your answer. Yeah, uh, as, yeah as, as I say, online is super important for the development of anyone, but it, as I say, it levels the playing field and it is... Yeah, it's, I, I hope social media hits its ceiling and laws, some, something happens and laws are in place where it kind of decreases a little bit in some weird way. I can't see the trajectory of social media climbing at the rate it's climbing. I mean, where, where would social media be in two years? Yeah. It's frightening. It is. I mean, you can already do everything on your phone. You can be live. You can do chats. You can do videos, stories. I mean, it is, it is like you have no personal space anymore. Yeah. And I, I hope somewhere along the line it, it decreases in some way, shape or form uh, to something manageable where print starts squeezing its way back in um, yeah like form has. like fashion i mean some things people 10 years ago were like i'll never come back in fashion and boom suddenly it's back and you're like whoa that, yeah. that really happened yeah. It. Yeah. and it really happened in the 70s <laughs> and thank god i wasn't around yeah but now i'm reliving it <laughs> <laughs> if bell bottoms come back i'll be so bleak <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean yeah social media is cool it's it's good for networking it's but I do think it levels the playing field maybe too much, but in other ways, it's really good. Yeah. So, oh, the power's out. It's, it's gone. It's a good thing we... Battery that off the grid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah off the grid. Um, so kind of changing the subject a bit to your actual occupation. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys would think about you 
It's like, what do you do? It's like, you know, take a camera, go out in 12 degree water yeah. on a great white highway. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Talk to me about that because <laughs> so, like yeah. I understand guys getting into it in Durban. Yes. Nice, tropical, yeah. fun. Yeah. I mean, well, prime example, I was shooting Jordy Smith the other day at Nurduk and it was freezing cold and we got out together and it was howling wind and it was like absolutely freezing. And he turns around and he goes, you know, I take my hats off to people that learn to surf in Cape Town. If I, I think if I grew up here, I wouldn't have carried on surfing. Yeah. And, you know, hearing it from someone like that, for me, I grew up here. I understand the water. I pre-know yeah. it's going to be yeah. freezing. It's like you don't know. I, I suck myself up beforehand, and I know it's going to be cold. And you deal with it for an hour or two, and you get out and you warm up. I actually love the warm-up process and that that buzz of being warm again. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it is crazy when Durbanites or guys from overseas come. They literally say it's the coldest water they've ever surfed, and those are people that have travelled to like Greenland, Scotland. Island. Kidding. They are literally saying it's the coldest water. The air is warm, but the water is as cold as I've surfed. I mean, so they compare Cape Town's water to two, Greenland two and Scotland. Yeah, Greenland, Scotland, Ireland, easily. And I would Have say, you shot there? No, but I'm planning to go later this year. I really want to go. Okay, cool. Yeah. You let me know. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm just gonna dive in like a like a seal and yeah. just like, what are you guys voting about? But, I mean, we're already in five mils, gloves, hoods, and boots. So yes. that's what they... I see videos of them surfing in no hood. Yeah. So the, the air is freezing there. So that's, I think, what gets you. And what about the, the shark factor? Have you had any... Yes. I've definitely had instances. a few instances. So Cork Bay Reef when I was bodyboarding. Okay, yeah, story time. Let's do this. Okay. Yeah. So story time. <laughs> shark tails. Uh, <laughs> but before that, what are you drinking there? Because um, I would not mind a little weight of the lips. Okay, cool. Devil poison. <laughs> uh, Mark's already got just sorted out. There. Oh, I even have one. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. I've actually never had one of these. Ooh. This looks nice and cold. Cheers. Very nice. Cheers. Very nice for coming on. Yeah, nice to meet sweet. you. Oh, that is nice. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I have to have another one before this. Hmm. I don't think we endorsed you to do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> so yeah, shark tails. Um, okay, so there's only two, it might be a third, two drastic ones. So Cork Bay Reef, we're surfing, we're bodyboarding back in the day, like 2004, and it was kind of onshore and lumpy, and they had, they, there was a shark, there was a shark that <laughs> used to hang out uh, outside the harbour, and back yeah. in early, late 1990s, what's called the sub, which means the submarine. Yeah. It was about, I think, five and a half to six meters. It was a local shark that cruised the back reefs at beyond Cork Bay. Uh, um, a whitey. Yeah, a definite whitey. Yeah. Um, and he never came into the reef because the reef's really shallow and it's, it kind of, I don't think, he followed the fishing boats mainly, followed Chumman, which was, they were dropping over the edge. Anyway, so we were surfing Corbet Reef the one day and my friend Johnny Moritz, who was one of the best bodyboarders actually in Cape Town, all the country at the time, kind of just like froze. And he was like, I think I saw something. And we were like, oh, okay, cool. There were lots of seals. They actually come up next to you with squid and they slap the squid on the water to like kill the squid and then they chucked. 
So we're very, we were very aware that there's like things popping up next yes, to you. Yeah. And then the wave came in and as it peaked in front of us, the wave broke halfway up the face on something. And it turns out it was actually the shock. It was actually, and if bodyboards or surfers or anyone knows, a wave doesn't break halfway up the wave. It crested, it capped on something. And that was a big black shadow of a shock. Needless to say, on that same turnaround, we caught this, that same wave in, rode straight onto dry reef and were like beached on it. Anyway, so that was one and it was yeah. very fleeting and very quick, but there was definitely something it broke on because seals... And seals five, five, six meter... Uh, maybe not, maybe a three meter, but okay. it, it took up the whole wave face and it was clearly not a seal. Um, and then <laughs> the more recent one I've had is at a beach break in Cape Town, which is known for sharks. I'm not going to mention names due to uh, the wave being very good and people don't want to spill them out, but everyone will know what I'm talking about. I think the service will probably appreciate guys <laughs> getting scared. Yeah, there's definitely a shark down there. Okay. Um, and yeah. so what happened was I, I swam out there. Okay, well, back in the day, David Borman, I think you've got his name right, uh, he was attacked and killed there. Uh, he was actually paddling back out and there's kind of deep channels that run next to the, the, the banks, the surfing Oh, banks. was this the guy in 2012? Uh, the, the bodyboarder. That's, that's different. Yeah, that's, this, was, this was, I think, 2002. Oh, sure. And okay. so, <laughs> strangely enough, I had actually gone down to surf Nurduk, another part of Nurduk. Um, and we were surfing. We were the only ones out and there were suddenly a whole school of dolphins, like, crazy swimming amongst us we were like wow this has never happened in Nordic. Like, this is amazing anyway we got out went to the car park and helicopter was there ambulance was there shark attack down the beach he obviously he unfortunately died he got attacked on his upper thigh and everyone tried to help him on the beach he was he got to the beach alive died on the beach uh yeah very hectic story a lot of people didn't surf the break afterwards for a long time and Slowly, it has it's it's continued its reputation. There's a lot of sightings, a lot of near bumps underwater, um, that type of thing. Um, I mean, personally, I have a rule: I never go down to that beach on the first day of an offshore wind. Um, I think something around the currents come in, and it it when it's onshore, it pushes some sediment in or some fish groups, mm. and the first day of an offshore, it cleans up and somehow there might be a warmer pool of water and the sharks always are normally spotted on the first day of offshore. So I never swim in on the first day sure. of offshore. I always let it blow out for a day or day and a half. Sorry, that's just interesting though what you're saying with all the dolphins because yeah. usually if I'm surfing there's dolphins, I'm like, thank God, because sharks don't really like hang Correct. out with those guys. Too and much. maybe the dolphins were telling us something. They were like, hey, sure. there's sharks down the beach and they, were, they were actually yeah. leaving the area and they found us and cruised around us to actually maybe get us out. You never know. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah it's one of those res- retrospective things. You're like, whoa, that actually happened. Like, yeah, it's like you read about. Like movies make movies about it. Dolphins coming to save surfer or something mm. like that. So that's one thing that was quite crazy. And so I swim there a lot when it's uh, good, big, that type of thing. It's one of the spots I really like swimming. <clears throat> and one of the first times I actually went back there, it wasn't long ago, actually very recently. Um, a big cleanup set came and I was swimming through the foam boom bashing through it 
and the set stopped and cleared and there was still a bit of foam around and I was starting to like move just like further out and something just slammed my leg on the side just no. swam into me full tilt like I, I, it, I, I thought it was a person underwater I thought it, I thought someone had wiped out and like had swum into me that's what it felt like it was a full on knock and obviously there was no surfboard no swimmer and I literally froze and was like okay it was all split second I was like well there's nothing I can do right now I'm going to start dead still if it get if whatever this is knocks me I'll, I'll know but you know you know straight I, I, away I, what it is it, you know it, it's like weird it's like the like denial, survivor, denial it's denial yeah. you like suddenly go it can't be maybe it is it can only be and then because no seal pops up, no penguin pops up, no dolphin pops up. Um, and it was a hard enough bump to be not a piece of kelp. Because a lot of people go, ah, oh, it's this kelp. And I'm like, nah, this thing, active, this thing actively hits yeah. my leg. It wasn't no there. No surfboard or surfboard yeah. body boy. That's the um, different story. And I literally froze. And I was like, okay, just wait. Waiting, eating, nothing. So I started moving. And I actually swam back out. I didn't swim in. Swim in. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I just ran a bit further out to see and finding flaws in yeah, the story yeah, already the flaws are <laughs> happening um, and you know I told everyone and they were all like okay cool we'll keep a look out and obviously just cruised off it was it take, took a look <laughs> and yeah I came very very lucky yeah. and I still swim it every time it's breaking and I keep an eye out there's other times I've gone down there and everyone gets out and I'm suiting up and guys go, there's a Johnny down there. And I go, okay. And I walk walk down and I shoot. I mean, the the thing is, a shark can be there one minute, two kicks of the tail, it's a kilometer away. So, yeah. I mean, the the odds are extremely rare. I mean, if something swims into me, yeah, maybe I should get out. But like I didn't. In that case, um, yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, it's a tr- tricky thing, but I've had two more shark instances there where people have said, listen, get out of the water. And people surf, they carry on, people get out, and I kind of stay on the beach for a bit, look around, eh, swim out again. Yeah. Um, they, I don't think, are interested in us, and I literally think it is a, a bite and look what it is. It's, I 100% yeah. agree with you. That's what I was about to say yeah. is, like... I'm not one of those like you get those guys like oh no we need to kill the sharks no, no that's completely against it but um, I don't I don't think they're after us mm. but with like their bite to find things out like yeah, exactly it's what it is it's our touch they don't yeah. have hands I mean have you seen their little yeah. things I mean they but some of them don't touch they slap yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. and I just don't want to be yeah Unfortunately, unfortunately, their fingernails are rather sharp and yeah. a lot of them and yes. yeah, they tend to break us in half. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of memes of shark things going around and it's, it's actually hilarious. I can't even, I can't even remember the one where it's like two sharks talking and one like shark looks at the other and goes, oh, I'm really like, I lost my tooth. And they're like, oh, I just was seeing what it is or something like that. Yeah. And it was, it's, <laughs> it, it's into perspective. If you had to look at it from a shark's perspective, yeah. you go like, shame. Like, <laughs> they're biting into this thing that they really don't want to bite into. And it's, <laughs> it's just like, sorry. Oh, man, it's too late. That guy's going to bleed out or something yeah. like that, you know. I saw a meme the other day. It was like, like the sharks, like, 
try to help some poor human stuck in a cage. That's the one. Got That's shot with a spear gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the, oh, the other one is like, um, Kai, human, I'll help you out the water. There's like something, there's a rip current here. Yeah. Like, I'll nudge you. You know, that yeah. type of thing. And Yeah. Anyway, but... Uh, uh, well, I swim in some really sharky places. Some beaches you get, a, you actually have a vibe, and yeah. surfers and everyone will know about this. There's certain locations, even if there's no sharks, not known for sharks, you will get a feeling in the water where, hmm, I don't think I should be here. And even that sharky location doesn't feel sharky. It still doesn't have. There are other places I've swum where I'm literally sweating bullets, like constantly going, something's going to get me, something's going to get me, something's yeah. going to get me. I've swum in Kanspar, shark capital of the world. <laughs> I did not feel sharky. It felt fine. Yes. No, when I, if I'm in a sharky location, I'll be out there and I start, sounds silly, but I start imagining myself on like one of those National Geographic yes. shark, shark week. stories. Like, yeah, man, next thing the thing just came up from below. Yeah, like, yeah. I get an American accent with it as well. Yeah. And tick, tick, boom, lights yeah. out, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it is one of those things where you actually can imagine the story happening. Yes. And that can absolutely freak you out. Like, you can be like, wow, like, I, I had this for breakfast today and you know, I might not have supper tonight. Like that type of thing. And you can, you can overplay it in your head and it's, oh, it's not a good thing. Just, yeah. So what I do when I swim sharky locations is I absolutely freak out probably three days before. I freak out for three days. I go, this is the worst scenario that can happen. This can happen. This can happen. This can happen. And then when I'm on the day, everyone goes, are you worried about sharks? I go, no. I'm fully over it. I'm done. I'm here to do the job. I'm here to shoot. And let's get it done. So I'm full on psych myself up beforehand so yeah. there's no psyching out on the day yeah so I, I mean and also like the, you've shot in the water for a long that, year <laughs> yeah. over your 10,000 yeah. hours worth yeah and for you to have your two instances it also shows that sharks aren't Good. interested in what's going yeah. on because you've definitely had sharks circling you and checking out that I've you've... definitely had things from past me there's no doubt about it and, yeah um, yeah I mean I was called out the water just the other day at Coolby, uh Caves which is just past Gordon's Bay. I was shooting um, Ada Mason Camp, doing a little billabong Instagram story. There we go, social media. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, not for print, for social. And um, the siren went off and we were called in and it was a bronze whaler. Not the most aggressive shark, but it's a it's a bigger shark and it'll look like a big shark if you saw it. Yeah. And the flag went up and we waited an hour and we swam back on shot. Um, that beach that beach definitely has a feeling to it. Yeah. yeah I, I, That's right. My good friend, David Lillingfield, yeah, I knew him, I bodyboarded with him for years, Western Province together, and oh, that's a very sad story, actually. So his good friend and mutual good friend, we, I wanted to surf this wave up the West Coast, and I, I thought it'd be really good, and it works on small swell, and so does caves. And I said to Ike, and he'll, you won't mind me saying, um, I was like, Ike, yeah, get Get, get Dave to come, like 100%. Like he was like, oh, I should, I'm either going to surf, go up with you guys, or I'm going to surf caves. I said, no, bro, let's go somewhere different. So he phoned Dave the night before, and he was like, nah, Dave was like, I'm just going to go surf with my brother at caves, which yeah. he goes a lot. We went west, he went to caves. We were sitting on a dirt road when we got the news. We found reception, and Ike just bawled. We all bawled, knowing Dave could have been with us. Yeah. literally surfing this spot of the west coast instead he went surfing with his brother and 
yeah, that's fate. I mean, she's, I mean, that's hectic. And yeah, I mean, the, the way it happened was very scary. And we've all sat there and pondered the situation. We're like, whoa, that, that happened. And it was really mm. weird. Like at that time, we were bawling our eyes out. The cyclist came down this dirt road. One of the traveling guys with like all these bags and his shirt was off. And he had like, and it was a surreal situation where he stopped his bike and we asked him what he was doing. He's like, no, I've been cycling from Cairo. From Egypt and he's going down to Cape Point so he's doing from north to south of Africa yeah and at the time we suddenly like our, ear, our eyes dried out we had this amazing story time with this guy which was this world weird traveler guy we got on his bike to experience his bike that he traveled through all the all the African continents like countries and I still remember I got this photo of Ike riding this guy's bike on a dirt road and him laughing and it was this weird like <laughs> this feeling of like something yes. so hectic happened but here we are meeting this guy and it was like a weird dream but it was it really yeah. well. and I remember just the drive home being really weird but it was it was a hectic day yeah. that one but yeah that was the that was the closest situation like to my heart that I've had for someone that's been killed obviously yeah what I had heard though about <clears throat> that attack is like it wasn't a bite like the shark actually mold him to say the least sorry to okay, say so that, I, but yeah so, so the details of it are pretty hectic um we don't have to go into no 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 it's so yeah. basically what happened is the shark bit him and his brother paddled across to get him and dave told his brother to leave he said go i might be getting the story wrong a lot of guys have told me different stories and i apologize if i'm saying this wrong but from his good friends, this is what I've heard, where his brother actually tried to come to him to help him and he waved him off. So quite heroic, quite hectic. Uh, that's the type of thing Dave would have done. He was a very genuine, earth-loving guy. So that's that's a story I heard. So sure. very hectic, yeah. And um, I've been hearing a lot of about uh, killer whales in mm. Cape Town at the moment yeah. and not... Uh, not a coincidence mm. the level of gray white sharks they've been moving further up totally north. yeah yeah i mean do you was, see a direct correlation between yeah, the 100%. two 100 percent. so uh my good friend um sean kelly that works actually he works for online at zigzag he spent he did a thesis or something at can't spy he when all the first orca incidents started happening um he was actually there and he learned when was this uh, i think it was two years ago now okay. two and a half years ago so the theory goes, well, now um, looks like evidence and guys are working around the clock to actually understand the way orcas work. Um, we think of great whites being the apex predator where actually it's the orca. So mm. if you're actually worried about efficiency, it should be the orca, but they are so intelligent that we have nothing to worry about. Um, whereas they won't, they, they won't, they might like come close, but they are way too sophisticated to take a, a nibble to work out what's going on so what, what they do to the shark i don't know if you know this but so they hit a shark in the liver boom underneath it they really ran the shark the shark is now because the shark has a massive liver huge liver and it actually comes off balance because it's it's its whole flotation device so now it's been damaged the shark rolls over on its side not being able to swim away the orca now comes and eats the liver directly, precision bite, <sighs> leaves the shark alive to die. 
So the shark literally gets its liver removed in the water to die. So he, the, die, the shark either drowns by itself or dies because of blood loss and it washes up. And that's when we find them with perfect cuts out the sides of their liver. Gone. So that's how the orca does it. Again, I might be wrong. There's a lot of guys I've heard there. about that. There's as a lot well. of guys out there that know more than me. Yeah. But that's what I've read. And yeah, there, I mean, I think two days ago it was on CNN where two killer whales come up next to these orcas, of, um, next to these two great whites or one great white in Neisner and literally yeah. play with it and kill it. Could you so, check that uh, for us? I remember that they put footage around it. <coughs> say, uh, say orca attack. Um, great white. Yeah. No, 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 it's, it was recent. Oh, like that's, a, that's a beautiful picture of a shark in slow motion killing tank. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's another reason why I like um, shallow locations for surfing. Yes. Because if, if a shark... It's like, if, well, you, if you want me, you've got to work for well, me. This is, this, is the, this is the brilliant thing about a great white. If a great white wanted to attack you, you would never know it's there. If you see a great white, it has no interest in you. Yeah. It is literally cruising on by. Those things are built for attack. If they want to get you and they've singled you out, you will never know it's there. The first thing you'll know is being bitten or launched out of the sky, yeah. out of the water. So that's the that's the great thing. So if you see a shark, yeah, that's the one. That's good. Oh, this is right here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that was oh, this is one no, that's sealed. 2019. So say, uh, so go into... Let's scroll further down there. No. So just say in Google, hey Alexa or whatever. Was it CNN? Um, say, um, Neisner. Killer whale. Killer whale or orca. Just say, nah, yeah, that's it. Just say that. Very, very yeah, yeah. There we go. So actually, I only read it. I haven't seen it. So there's the Neisner heads and all the... The various bits. Okay, let's click on that. Never actually seen this. There's the whales. Uh, for those listening to the audio version, uh, we're, on, <laughs> we're in a site called twooceansvibe.com. And so it's, oh, someone's taken video footage of a boat, I'm presuming, of. Uh, Two orcas that they've just surfaced, oh, yeah, and the shark's there underneath the boat. Oh, yeah. He's panicking, eh? Oh, he's yeah, he doesn't look happy. Yeah, oh, it's like a three meter, yeah, two and a half, three meter. But the, in fairness, the whales aren't big either. Well, yeah. did it hurt then? No, it's right next to it. Oh, so obviously in the video, but oh, it looks like there's more. Anyway, there's a lot of splashing going on, and uh, yeah, for those on audio, go onto YouTube, check out Killer Whales vs. Great White Shark. Yeah, obviously they're having a tussle because they wouldn't be hanging out together. I'm guessing. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, and it's there we go. They say Port and Starboard. Those are the two killer whales that have been named. Okay. Um, that are very localized around Cape Town. Can't buy all up the coast. They actually have travelled right up to, I think, uh, East London side. So they're literally cruising our coast. And yeah, the correlation is, I know for a fact 
that I'm trying to work on a story actually about it is that shark cage diving is so on the decline in Khan's Bay that operations are closing. There are no sharks for them to actually go view. So companies are closing their doors because there are not enough sharks to run a business to perform. No way. So, yeah, I don't know where the sharks are going. But why are they they going for great whites? I mean, you've got seals galore down the side. They like some... They like their liver. I don't know. Liver sashimi. I I presume that's why they're doing a whole lot of research. Marine dynamics and all Mm. those big companies are doing some amazing work. So if you had the option, if you're on that boat and say the the great white wasn't in the water, would you jump in with the orchid? Yeah. Yes. Definitely. I want to do that as well. I would definitely do it. So I actually read there's not been one recorded attack on a human being in the wild. Yes, Yes. we had that SeaWorld incident. And that was kind of... Yeah, that that, that trainer deserved everything he got, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Animals are not meant to be caged, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Sound like a human rights Um, activist, yeah. uh, Mark, we actually go on to Ian's Instagram. There's that footage of that woman swimming in New Zealand. Yes. Check this out. Oh, did you post that? I posted off someone else's, but it's it is literally goes to show exactly what we all want to think about how those those little animals do their business. Down, down, down. Uh, nope. That's still further down. The left. There we go. Ah, this is magical. Did she you think she knew this was happening? Yes. How do you not see that though? Yeah. So that is that is a prime example of them probably just wanting to play and check us out. Now, now she, that, she's like nipping. She wants that that thing's just playing. Mm. How cute's that baby? Yeah. With it? Oh. I bet you she's not thinking that. <laughs> no, I think she. All the orcas going, okay, This is how you train to attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she does relax. But you can see. I mean, that orca's on its side. It's literally copying the swimmer. So. I mean, that is one of the insane... And right in the beginning, you saw a wave break just to the left of the screen. And that is how shallow they are. So that is really... You can see the swell coming in. That's that's really shallow. Um, And yeah, the swimmer's not stressing. But I mean, that's insane. I mean, that that is beautiful. It's like like poetry. So it's really cool to see. Do you know the guy who took this? Uh, No. I just saw it and was like, wow, that's... One of the most that's coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Sorry for those on the audio version. I keep forgetting. <laughs> so there's a woman in New Zealand swimming uh, along the coastline, super close to the shore, with these three killer whales. It looks like a mom and it's two, two calves. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. Two calves swimming next to it, and it's beautiful. Go check it out on Ian. Literally. Literally. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Literally nipping at the swimmers' uh, flippers as it swims, just playing. Yeah. It's like it just wants to have a jaw. So. Yeah, those are the things you keep in your mind when you're swimming in some dark waters. <laughs> yeah. So sure, yeah, I heard like a, a rumor that there's actually different groups of uh, killer whales around the world mm-hmm. and each of them have different hunting patterns and mm-hmm. uh, hunting choices, if you want to say that. So some guys, they love their seals. Other mm-hmm. ones love their penguins. I, I presume mean, so, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about them, but... I can I can believe. I mean, there are yeah. various various different types. And do you know where they came from? These ones? No, no idea. <sighs> it's yeah. I I I I might think the swimmer is quite a famous um, activist in ocean stuff. Yeah, I, I might be wrong. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think she like loves that type of scenario and she's rebels for it. So yeah. I wanted to uh, ask you. I read an article uh, like two weeks back about um, about the salary situation of the guys on the WSL and the sponsor yeah. Yeah. issues going yeah. on. Do you have any? take into this because i know uh, yeah. i mean mark mentioned to me this morning it's mostly just hurley because hurley's Correct. been bought out yes by so. a big a big yeah conglomerate massive beast of a company yes um you know i everything goes through cycles and i think the surfing world is as i said earlier very niche and when when you get a target when you get an audience people want it so a lot of people, a lot of companies actually buy companies that are like on the decline so they can buy for cheap, pump it up, that type of thing, make a profit, resell it. Whereas I like seeing, and that sounds weird and horrible and I'm in the industry, but I like seeing dips like this. It's, it's kind of like a currency where things take, if everything was the same every day in the surf world and everyone would like paid the same as the, I mean, those surfs are earning crazy money. Um, but if everything was the same, what, it's, it's kind of boring. Like, yeah. it's, it's like our own scandal in the surfing world. And it's, it's cool. And you're like, you're picking up your phone to see what, who's been dropped and who's pick, picked up. And <laughs> I mean, Hurley did some really crazy big drops. Like yeah. they dropped a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, they, they dropped John John. Yeah. I mean, well, John John chose to leave. Oh, as did he? far as I know, yeah. He was fact check, Mark. He was. That's it. Good old stab. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, it looked like he didn't like where the company was going and how they were dealing with the riders. And he took an ethical approach and was like, "You know what? Okay. I don't yeah. like. This. I don't need this twelve yeah. million dollars." And a lot of people are calling, as as you guys would probably know, like just for him to start his own brand. And, oh, really? Yeah, because it's John John, and John John has this crazy like jjf you know that that people thrive for that everyone wants a piece of john and as as they're saying the market is as if you took surfing as a market now john john's the highest i mean not necessarily the best surfer in the world but he's he's like the pinnacle everyone goes wow john john like it's it's him yeah and if he gets paid a certain amount then everyone below him has a fall or or increase or because he sets the tone so think of it as like a house like the best house on the block is certain amount and you thought your property was more than that no not anymore are you better than that house no so you're definitely under that currency so um it could change things uh it's been very quiet for him i don't know what he's doing or if he even cares to be honest he's the type of guy that will just do what he does and it's really cool so yeah, I mean, did he did he do a post about leaving? Uh, no, he doesn't have a sticker there. Nah, yeah, he's just been shredding in his backyard and doing without stickers, which is cool. I mean, same thing as when Kenny Slater left Quicksilver. Yeah, he he was tied to Quicksilver for so long, like people still see Quicksilver logo and think of Kenny Slater. Same thing, I'm guessing for John. Like, his his legacy will live in that that double bracketed age. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, when I see John, I still think about O'Neill sometimes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, there's, a, there's always these rumors going around, like, who's John going to sign? Is O'Neill going to get him back? And uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I can see him fitting with someone like an adventure brand more because of his sailing routes and 
the way is he, he a just, sailor? Yeah, he's thick into sailing. Like he just he just sails everywhere, and he's super good at it. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so he's big into that. So I can see him fitting into a brand that doesn't mind him stepping away from surfing if he had to, or take time off for surfing, or take sailing. Yeah, yeah. Would you start seeing, do you think we're going to go and start seeing that a lot more in the future where main sponsors actually aren't going to be surf brands? Yes, and I think it's super important. If you look at Gabriel Medina, I think there's one surf brand on his board and his board almost is like full up of real estate. There's, there's yeah. probably like this much room of free board. It's just stickers. It's Audi. Yeah. It's, he's got huge corporate, corporate. He is a massive pulling force in Brazil and the world. Um, so... I think there, as you said, that's a perfect example of where surfing should go. I, th I think the mainstream format of sponsors is, is key. Whereas, because surfing is, maybe back in the day, it was looked at as quite a hardcore, like grungy, like, oh, you smoke weed or you take drugs. or That's completely changed. Surfing is now looked at because in the Olympics. It's looked at as a very clean sport. Yeah. You're doing something natural in the ocean, nature-loving people. So I think corporations and and like companies that's, that's true, want yeah. to buy into the clean look and the target market so i mean like water companies water brands they're going to probably start popping up you know we surf yes. in the water they make water that type of thing that's yeah cool, um like vitamin thing. water and all yeah the, exactly I mean, vitamin water was sponsoring a lot of the local events yeah. for a while so i think i think as soon as the um the way um, surfers and stuff engage in sponsorships and outside surfers surfing yeah. um, brands that will be a good thing for surf, surfing brands and not I think surfing brands will have to step up their game um, back in the day everyone wanted to wear a t-shirt from a brand and now necessarily that's starting to shift a little bit yes. so that's a good thing I always think change is good and the way the wheel turns everything will come around and who knows what will happen? That's, that's yeah. what makes it exciting. It's just oh. like a wave. You don't know what's coming in. So <laughs> That's <laughs> a good analogy. <laughs> I mean, out of all the your major brands, we got your Quicksilver, Falcom and Neil, uh, Billabong, Rip Curl, Hurley. Which one's performing the best out of the group? I mean, we, we can say Hurley, but because of their backing. Rip Curl, I'd say, yeah. is doing best of the rest. Oh, I, just, I, found, I found that Quicksilver... Took a dip. I'm a Quicksilver guy. Mm. I love Quicksilver, mm. but I mean, I don't really see how like many guys that they're even sponsoring anymore. Mm. And they Quicksilver like, are shops very, are closing. Quicksilver are very good at um, targeting like a young group of people, like good surfers, and bringing them through the ranks. So my young guns. Yeah, yeah, young guns. <laughs> like the generation yes. thing they run. They're very good at that. Um, so yeah, I mean, you think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes? Yeah, it's it's like I mean, surf brands are politics. Full yeah. Of, so. I don't know enough about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a real good point. Like I just said, so if other guys, other brands from different industries start approaching surfers as well, these guys are going to have to start stepping up their, yeah. their game. Exactly, yeah. And with regards to WSL, how do you think they're performing? I mean, because like being managed-wise, because I heard last year they were looking into actually doing pay-per-view, which would have really... Yeah. Yeah. really ruined yeah. I mean, majority of the events it's, it's difficult because surfers are kind of known as being you know like living off a couch oh, a little bit cheap yeah. you know not willing to buy the most expensive brands yeah. obviously um, and 
I don't know, like I would I would do it for key key events. Yes. I would love to do it, but yeah, obviously it has to be done right and the, the rest of the public has to calm down and yeah, <laughs> just like I did for understand and that maybe it's a, a business that surfing's trying to run and yes, yeah. I mean, with Olympics coming up, it could be really cool. Do you think that's going to change a lot of the face of surfing? <laughs> the location they've got for the Olympics is not great. It breaks like three, it? It like breaks like three times a year or something. I want to check um, this. Who thought they'd do it in a way just what I, I don't know why it is from like an Olympics point of view. It's, yeah, there you go. Um, with, the, with the T. It has its days. It okay. definitely has its days. Um, I see what you're saying now. It's kind of a wishy-washy, it kind of needs cyclone conditions, I think. Um, I've just heard from a couple of the surfers that they're having to change their boards quite drastically. Yeah. Was um, Jordy saying that? Uh, various people okay. are saying it, um, that they have to change their way of looking at it. And mm. um, I mean, they're looking at, I think the next Olympics is France and they're going to, they supposedly going to hold it in Tahiti because Tahiti is a French owned That's country. Fine. But as a lot of surfers are saying, they're like, okay, cool, but now we are comp- we're on literally the other side of the world, nothing to do with the Olympics, surfing heat. So we're not actually part of the Olympics. Yeah. You want to be part of the surfers, uh, the village, and, you know, get, really enjoy the Olympic part of it. I mean, so, you could be, you could surf the same location as on the WSL, that beach break in France. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky, tricky... Well, in France, France has a lot coming up. I mean, they're doing the 2023 Rugby World Cup yeah. as well as the Olympics. Yeah. Is that it? This is it. Uh, we we looking just at a up. video yeah. of light onshore crumbly waves. Yeah. <laughs> in Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was very surprised when I went to Oz how many Asians there are there. I went to Brisbane and I thought I was in Tokyo. Yeah. It's Crazy. ridiculous. That I mean, is, is that mostly just... Uh, Japanese moving down Who knows? because I'm just thinking they're quite I've actually never been to us. No. No. You're nodding I'm, like I'm, you've been there. I know. I'm, yeah. I, I know. Look. Okay. I know very well. Well, <laughs> well, good because I know like the shock factor there even Perth. Yeah. I mean, drastic. my friend uh, went across there to Lifeguard in Perth and uh, the head Lifeguard said to him, okay, well, this is the way it works. If there's a shock smaller than three meters, Really, eh? Moment it's over three meters, then you call the ring the bell. Yeah, so he's like, he'll be sitting there, he'll be checking the shark moving in between the. Basically, if it's three meters, get on the back of it and ride it up. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) just have fun. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So then, so you haven't traveled on so you do most of your shooting here. Shooting here, yeah. I've did. uh, I've done Indo twice. I've done. How was that? It's amazing. It's it's pretty full. It's warm. It's it's very idyllic. It's the Did you go to the thing, quiet place of Indo? Or were you like Bali and those? Uh, Bali. Bali is a Bali's a mainstay. I love that place. Yeah. It's um the first thing that knocks you is not the heat, it's the smell. The smell of Bali is yeah, amazing. I've been the sounds, the sounds I mean I could I could download right now a sounds of sounds of Bali. Yeah, you just listen to like what are those what are those episodes called where you like zone out to like sounds. Yeah, ASMR, the sounds of Bali. 
Yeah, you just what's go to SM1? It's like... Um, Where people talk people, like this. Yeah, they, like, you listen to it to like calm music. Calm music. Like, uh, with the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> that bird's chirping. And I could full on listen to Bali. Like, That's I, I actually so follow funny. someone on Instagram where he does surf reports. And oh, all I, all I, I listen for, I turn the volume up and I listen to the birds. That sounds really funny. Yeah. But the birds there, when you wake up, and there's that smell of like burnt rice or whatever in the air, incense <laughs> everywhere, and and you and you listen to that, and the birds chirping, and you're just like, oh, take me back. <laughs> and so you went there to shoot, or went there for yeah, a yeah, yeah. I proposed there to my wife. And okay, nice. Yeah, and just the waves. Lucky I get like really good. I got a really good padang padang swell while I was there, yeah. and that's an amazing place to shoot. So you all about camera angles and lighting and all that stuff. So did you think through this proposal or was it one of those in the moment kind of things? Well, I kind of wanted to be really like different. So we like okay. went for like fresh fish on the beach. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. So okay. Cool. You know, we choose your fish, look at the gill, look at the gills of the fish, make sure the, fi- the gills are red, all that type of thing. Is that one of the yeah. things you got to look at? It's one of the things because there's, there's plenty of fish on the beach. So okay. when they bring a fish up and you choose it because you actually like, choose your fish so you go up and you go oh, cool i want a red snap red snapper and yeah. you choose your size and then you you must open up the gills like pull the gills like inside out and the redder the gills are the more oxygen's in the fish the healthier the fish the fresher the fish fun fact and then, yeah and then they, they slap it on a, a grill and you get served and it's like the best thing ever so then did you take the ring and stuff it down no no i didn't stuff it in the fish <laughs> <laughs> no no i didn't do any of that that was nah, that's it <laughs> I mean, if she said no, it would have been a real awkward flight back. Yeah, it would have been long. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. We're like best friends. We've been going on for like 10 years. No, that's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So while you were there, did you shoot uh, Uluwatu side? Or was it Ulu's, yeah. Ulu's is, uh, I mean, you don't go there to shoot really. It's just like you just hang out because it's, it's pretty crowded. Yeah. There's a lot of tourists. But, you know, you just... Eat, pray, love it. You know, you just... <laughs> just Julia like, Roberts. No, well, thanks to that damn movie, Padang Beach is like chaos. It's just, really? So literally, when we're chilling on the beach there, there's this, again, it's a, not derogatory, but it's a fact. These Chinese tourists come down, buy the bus, oh, yeah, no, come down that. with their selfie sticks, stand up, don't even look at the view, don't even look at the beach, just take a photo of themselves on a beach, walk up the stairs, get on the bus and go to the next place. Yeah. Just to say, I've been there to the Julia Roberts <laughs> Beach. And it's, it's quite funny to watch. Classic. But yeah. I didn't know that that book was tied to Eat, Pray, Love. No, that, that's the... the. You wouldn't know it, but people that know it are in the know and they know that's the... Is it the Eat, the Pray, or the Love part? No, you're going, I'm going to have to watch that movie. I think again. it's Pray. <laughs> you, have no, to take no. a, you have to take it out of me watching that movie. No, again. she went to Italy to eat. She yeah. went somewhere to pray and somewhere to love. So the pray part must have been Bali. Yeah. Because yeah. Of the, the, I think she went to Tibet yeah, then I've been to Canary Islands, which is my very much favorite location. Yeah, ever. I heard the, no, not Canary, I heard Reunion's quite gnarly with the sharks. Yeah. The, different to Canary Islands. Different, well, so put it this way. So when I was, I think, I think, I think, I think, I was the first, myself and Johnny Moritz was the first bodyboarders from Cape Town, South Africa to go to they, that island and surf that wave because they were absolutely blown away that we were from Cape Town. So the first thing we said to them is we go, they're like, where are you from? And we said Cape Town. And the first thing they go to us is shark. That's the first thing they say to us is, you come from where the sharks are. And we just like burst out laughing. Like, 
Yeah. Yep, pretty much. Because yeah. they don't get shocks. Well, they do, but not serious. But um, Canary South shocks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, yeah. Amazing experience. Amazing place. Amazing people. Heavy locals. But mm. wow, what a location. And the waves are just insane for photography. Crazy. Yeah. What's been the biggest surf you've gone out and to record? I would say Canary shoot. Islands and probably the local beach break with the shark factor. Um, okay. Yeah, some some big surf down there, and that's that's hectic. But yeah, can you how big are we talking? Uh, I'd call solid twelve foot at some locations. Gee. Have you have you been pulled over trying to get a barrel? Oh, that's shot? that's the goal. Is that the goal? <laughs> that's not, it. If you're not getting worked, you're not getting the shot. Nah. Yeah, you got to be you got to be in the zone, and that's the scary thing about it. But yeah, have you lost equipment that way? <laughs> Actually, just the other day, no, at, at this location, sorry. at this location. The wave belted me so hard that my housing got ripped out of my hand and it snapped and it disappeared. And I popped up and I was like looking around, oh, where's my housing? And it popped up like two meters in front of me and the next wave was like eight no. and broke. The lip landed on the housing and I was, went underwater. I did 15 cartwheels and like 15 like somersaults. And then I came up and was like, okay, I know my housing is positive buoyancy. I'll find it. So I looked around, it popped up in the foam, swam up to it, and it was 100%, retired the leash, and it was fine. Okay, no leaks, fine. nothing. I've, sure. had that, I've had that happen twice. Uh, have you got your, is your housing thing called, has it got a name? Okay, so my surname is Thurtell, T-H-U-R-T-E-L-L, like Thursday, and tell me a story, Thursday. Yeah, it's like a turtle, but it's Thurtell. There we go, so everyone calls me, it's through high school, hey, turtle, and I'm like, oh, I haven't heard that one before. So I call it Thurtell Shell. Like a turtle, turtle shell, yeah. Like it's protective and it's oh, hard, okay, so it's cool. a turtle shell. Um, or, yeah, pretty much. And so, if guys want to get housing uh, from you, where would they? Just Instagram who's the, me, or I think okay. I'm sure. I think I've got a, a few people. I've just been so busy that I haven't actually got back to them. But sure, you yeah, yeah. It takes a bit of time to build. You know, like get in the zone. Yeah, make it, and, but it's it's cool. But it's kind of one of those things where you actually like flooding a market that you're actually doing it. So you actually make a housing like. Yeah, come come flood them. Come try flood the market that I'm trying yeah. to shoot in. Yeah, you know? but it's it's yeah, it's for the love and it's it's good. Yes. It's great to do. So I'm stoked. And with the so you say like twelve foot max. What <clears throat> happens when you start going too big? Like, like what makes a dungeons impossible? Is it all the, the amount water of, the amount of water moving? So okay, um, you can be on a jet ski and big surf where all the photographers they don't swim it. They actually stand. They get their own craft. They hire. A, a boat, a jet ski, they shoot off the back. So a jet ski, far more nimble. You can zip in, zip out to get a shot if you need to. Where a boat's a bit sluggish, like wind up the motor. And, yeah. You know, you have to be just slower. And big waves move really fast. So you have to be well clear. Um, and what a lot of people don't know is when you're in bigger surf, there's a lot of movement in the water. So it's not necessarily the wave that's big, but there's just a lot of current little bumps between waves where you actually when you're swimming you can't see over it it's, yeah there's a constant bobbing in front of you so all you're seeing is the top of the waves breaking and you, yeah to be in the zone on a big wave is really really hectic so sure. deep water reefs and beach breaks and yeah i mean like do you like your housing you said it's yeah. positive buoyancy yeah so do you rest on that sometimes or is it not it, that it definitely is like a little magic wand that brings me to the surface if i'm getting absolutely deleted like, yeah it does have this little push, but I mean, not enough to bring you up. But yeah. It definitely, definitely moves positive rather than negative. 
Yeah. So that's sick. Do you, do, do you ever use those um, anti-shock? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Every now and then, but I do. I use the shock band one. The, yeah, the shock band one, the one that goes, it looks like it looks like a watch and has a little yes, magnet. Yes. I don't know if those things work. Do you not think the, the that electric current actually attracts shock? Okay, so the one I've worn, um, one one year for SA Champs Juniors, Billabong actually bought after the whole shock to bottle with Mick Fanning at J Bay. Yeah. Billabong actually bought two Billabong South Africa and you weren't allowed to shoot the SA Junior Champs if you were in the water if you weren't wearing this thing. If you weren't. Yeah. And it's like a big, like big surfboard strap with this magnet that you charge on it. And okay. If you touch your other leg, it actually gives you a little jolt. It actually shocks you. And if someone walks, I mean, comes too close to you, it like shocks them. It's like a little no way. And then those kind really? of those kind of fell away a little bit. And then there's this new one called Shark Bands. They're yeah. from Australia or something. And I actually got one of them. Um, I was actually given it by thank you Nixon South Africa. They gave me that one. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, and it's a, it looks it literally looks like a watch strap, and it has this little magnet on it. And supposedly it's a very strong magnet. It has its own box that comes in. And supposedly it works. And, you know, I don't know. The way I always look at it is if you watch a shark cage dive or you, you watch when they chum the water, a shark closes its eyes and it goes at it. It'll go through a brick wall if it wants to get at something. It, yeah. It'll go in full predator mode and nothing's going to stop a shark from it getting you. Um, where... So if, if you're wearing this thing, it's not going to go 80 kilometers an hour underneath you and at the last second turn around and vibe because you're wearing a magnet. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get you if it wants it. It's going to push right through that sensory overload that yes. the magnet gives it. What it could do is a passerby shark that's cruising, pull it away. And that's what a lot of the videos show where they do testing and it oh, deters the, the shark rather than... But Show me a shark deterrent where they chum the water, make the shark really pissed off, and then put it on a piece of chum. If that chum comes out fine, I'll buy one. That's then we know it works. That'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Have they got footage of that thing working on YouTube? Oh. But I mean, to be honest, I don't know if you want to go down this road. Yeah. It's quite hectic. What? No, you just start, you'll just start going against. Yeah, that one, the top one. Yeah, I do quite a lot of stand-up patterns. That's a tiger shark. Yeah. I think it's that's a bull shark. Okay, we're watching uh, the top video so where you there, type in so shark bands with a Z. So it's, it's, it's not going for it. Okay. Well, He's got a... Oh, this one's not wearing it. Not wearing it. Jeez, it's close to the shore. There you'll see, I think. Yeah, so we're watching a, a dummy in the water that I think has a bit of chum in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the let's just see, and there's uh, bull sharks all around it, and it they come right up to the leg and they get pushed away by it. Wow. Okay, so now they're putting it around. What? Oh wow, they didn't even. There we go. That one didn't have it. Literally, the shark just came and took it. So. But again, those are bull sharks. We don't have bull sharks. We've got the, the apex great white yes. that doesn't give a hell who you are or what you're wearing. <laughs> yeah. uh, Can't believe how close those things are. Yeah, again, that kind of, I mean, it's not a controlled environment, but it's, yes. it's not wild. But, I mean, 
Who knows? I mean, geez, if people yeah. are trying to do that stuff all the merrier, I'm, I'm glad they are yeah. and that's important. But yeah, I don't think you're going to stop a full-on attack. <laughs> I, I heard, though, that they're looking into actually making like little, like, I want to say pills of sorts where they actually put a shark, great white shark blood in it. And as they let that go and it diffuses, it, as a survival mechanism, when great white sharks smell their own blood, oh, they just yeah, they go. That's an interesting take. Yeah, working working with their own genetics against them. Yes, much. that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, so they wanted to do that. Makes sense actually. Yeah, they thought of doing that the J Bay things. So let that thing go. I mean, my cousin worked as one of the watermen at J Bay, yes. and they took the the jet ski across to the next bay. And he says he's never seen so many great whites. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot that come around the corner at J-Bay. I know that's a, that's a lot of people that yeah. I love swimming J-Bay. I don't really get vibes, but it's kind of creepy because they don't come down the point, they come up the point. So they actually come from way further. Yeah. They'll actually come up from behind you in the water, which is pretty nerve-wracking. <laughs> so do you prefer to surf it or do you have you... Oh yeah, shoot. Yeah, shoot for, yeah you said yeah, you did the challenge there. So yeah, so, yeah I'll, I'll way rather shoot it than surf it. You weren't doing the WSL no, shoot, were you? No, and that, they... that whole rule's changed. Now there's now there's no no photographers allowed in the water. They have to be on the back of the jet ski. Wow! Because they don't want the extra just personnel. A yeah, they don't want oh. the extra personnel in the water to have to worry about if there is an attack or sharks in there. They want Sorry, to is that all WSL events? <clears throat> no, just JB. I think just JB. Okay. Did you ever shoot the? No, I, okay. I shoot it for other brands, but only on land. Okay. Because cool. they've, they've got their own photographer for international, and he's the only one allowed to shoot it. Sure, that's a cool job. The prime angle. <laughs> cool, so we got to wrap this thing up. Sweet. Uh, yeah, we got things to do, people to see. And yeah, I really appreciate no you worries. coming through, man. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed the story. That was sick. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you, mic. you guys. I hit my mic too. Yeah, so definitely going to waste some more. <laughs> no. At work, rather listening to this. Shake and bake, we had a good one.